The Carpenter Rants. Hey everybody, and welcome to TCR. Three nobodies discussing the masterworks of horror cinema and where those nobodies. I'm Caleb. Yeah, I'm Doug. I'm Kendall. Hey, it's a brand new month at TCR. That means a new limited series. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and as we mentioned last week, uh, this month is July, and we're kicking off our month with patriotic films. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> freedom. Um, all right. Now, let me look at the... Let me do a little look at the calendar here. So, this would be the first show in July, which means that it's... Mm-hmm. You're listening to this on July 6th. Six. Now, there's a very, very real possibility that I have a new child while you're listening. My son may be born on the second. Um, that early? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. They moved it up big time. Yeah, there's there's some blood We're pressure. We're recording a lot in advance, folks. <laughs> yeah. Curtain. It's March right now. Um <laughs> <laughs> It's almost Christmas time here. And... <laughs> it was almost Christmas. Have you guys heard of this pandemic thing that might come? <laughs> I hope yeah, I heard it. <laughs> yeah, I heard it's like the swine flu or something. We're going to be fine. Um, yeah. Uh, there's some blood pressure issues. And so we'll know more. Uh, she goes back to the doctor in a couple of days. So we'll know more. But it's looking like July 2nd might be the day. Could be later. Um, but if you listen, American baby, <laughs> Bill Ford, uh, <laughs> I'm having a baby you can't see. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So if you're listening to this on the sixth, I could be a new papa. Who knows? Um, but uh, it is July. Uh, when you're listening to this, and uh, that means we are talking about uh, the greatest horror sequels of all time. That, uh, in parentheses, that we haven't already covered. Uh, in parentheses, <laughs> the Randpools. Doug, uh, sequels get a bad rap sometimes. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, they are just by being sequels alone they're already being compared to the, the original film that they're that they're spun off from mm-hmm. um so you already have that built in uh with horror specifically they will make multiple sequels of movies and they make so many of them that you get into this like some are good some aren't that good um and you gotta kind of pick and choose your favorites um We've talked about a lot of full series on this show. Um, the first one we did was obviously the Friday the 13th franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, and those movies are, you know, um, hit or miss. Um, but they Lots don't call it. Yeah. But the misses, they miss so hard that you just want to set that fucking house on fire. I mean, none of them are as bad as Jason Takes Manhattan, but that one is so bad that it disqualifies like three of the others. Like, <laughs> just by comparison, you like them. Yeah, that movie is so bad. Yeah. Um. 
obviously the Halloween franchise I had a really volatile relationship with. Um, and I had a good old talk. <laughs> and that's why Kendall and I still don't speak. Um, <laughs> except for, you know, once a week, every week. Um, no, um, you know, some of them, they're, they're cheap, they're easy to make. Um, and, and in this world of, you know, now it's perfect in this world of like IP and, and nostalgic uh, sequels and remakes. That's what, that's all people are looking for these days. Mm-hmm. But I often think that sequels get a bad rap and I think there are a lot of really good sequels independent of like a full franchise. Sometimes a franchise might be terrible, but there are individual movies that you can pluck out of there um, that are really interesting or do something unique or something cool and something fun and they shouldn't be burdened with the fact that you know they're the third or fourth sequel in a terrible franchise when that movie itself is pretty good Mm -hmm. and so i thought it'd be a cool thing to do um because it's summertime and that's when a lot of movies are coming out and that's when a lot of sequels are coming out to be fair i mean we're getting movies again um now that the now things are starting to to open up a little bit and what were the big movies that came out first uh was a quiet place Two, um a new saw movie another fast and furious movie um you know big sequels like there was another one wasn't there i'm trying to think um probably but it's not coming to mind right away um but yeah i mean you know, sequels, there's sequels, a Top are, Gun sequel coming out later. There's a Top Gun sequel. There's another Mission Impossible coming. Ghostbusters 3 is finally coming out. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Godzilla versus King Kong is a sequel, yeah. honestly. Um, you know, you know, it's the summer of sequels. And we wanted to do that uh, ourselves here with Rankles. And we're talking about horror sequels. And uh, Doug, you picked uh, our first, uh, the first installment here. And so I why don't you go ahead? Did. Why don't you go ahead and tell the folks what we're talking about tonight? Well, we are talking about William Peter Blatty's Exorcist 3. Now, not two, because that's a heaping (laughs) pile of shit. Yeah, the reason we're talking about 3 is because, um, you know, they made The Exorcist all-time classic. We've covered it here. Archives. In the archives, check it out. Um, You know, just an an all-time great movie. Um, it was followed up by one of the all-time worst movies ever. <laughs> yep, Exorcist Two: The Heretic, which has about how how much of the Heretic is just footage from the Exorcist? Oh Christ! I think it's literally eighty percent. It's crazy. Um, Kendall, have you ever seen The Exorcist Two? I have not. It's the well, greatest hits reel of Exorcist One. With a weird little story that they like shoved. That doesn't in there. matter. Yeah, it's it's bizarre how much Exorcist footage is in that movie. And I guess not bizarre. The Exorcist was a huge hit, but it, it was just crazy to me that they would reuse so much footage. Um, and so then you know, The Exorcist Three comes out, and I, you know, it it has this cult status now. Um. And I think people have found it now in an age of like streaming and home video and stuff like that. Um, but, you know, I, I don't know what impact it had when it came out. Um, 
and and we can talk about that here. But um, before we get into it, Doug, why don't you give us some uh, fat Exorcist three deets? And a return of forty-four million dollars. That's still that's still a respectable name. Is getting butts and seats. Yeah, that's still a respectable return. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. What was a critical response to it like? Looks like. Um, Don't you believe know, it was received all that well. It seems about like half and half. Um, yeah, I'm. What I'm seeing is people are just like, yeah, that's not. It's not bad. Um, but you know, people weren't blown away by it. But it is a huge uptick in quality from part two, so that might be helping it out a lot. Yeah. Um, and it made it made decent money, so that, good for them. Um, yeah, this is a movie. I I think it's much more popular now than probably when it came out, even though it seems Definitely. to have made a fair amount of money. But you know, once you've once you've, I mean, look. We talk about this stuff all the time. We see movies and we come on here. We see movies like current movies that come out. And we're just like, no, that wasn't that good. Um, but you remember Halloween, not a big, not wasn't a big deal. Like everybody hated it when that came out. And then the thing also critically panned. Mm-hmm. And then these are now considered like two of the greatest, you know, yeah. films movies of age, all time. Some movies age very well. Yeah, sometimes our initial reaction to something is negative, and then years later we're just like, you know what, that was pretty cool. Or in the case of like The Shining, which a movie which was panned across the board, nominated for a bunch of Razzie awards, um, and now is considered to be one of the greatest films of all time. So yeah, I Same mean, thing you said with the original Halloween, everyone was talking shit about it, and one uh, critic wrote a positive review. On- and it had all the other critics going back and like, oh, okay, so I see it through this, through your eyes. It, it does yeah. make sense, and it is good. And it's a classic. Yeah, so this movie, I don't know that anybody would call it a classic, but it is yep. well-regarded, and it's got a cult status, and, and um, I, you know, it's a lot of fun. There's some silliness to it, mm-hmm. um, and there's some, like, I don't know, uh, there's some... Little convoluted. It is. <laughs> it's very convoluted. Look, I'll be upfront and honest with you. I like this movie. I do too. But you know, the the only reason you're here is for the performances of uh, George C. Scott and Brad Motherfucking Dorf. Oh man, the Brad Dorf scenes alone are Woo. just incredible, and you forget how good. Um, but man, they, they really shine. Um, and George C. Scott, this guy's a great actor, but you know, we're, this is, this is late George C. Scott here. And so you get some, you get some of my favorite, uh, you get some fun moments from, from old George C. From John Rainbird himself. Um, (laughs) Beloved Native American actor George C. Scott. <laughs> uh, check out the uh, Firestarter pod; it's in the archives. Archives. If you forgot about John Rainbird, because uh, what a choice that was. Um, all right. Well, um, 
you know, right away there's like this, uh, I don't know. Um, I would say in the first five minutes, there's about 10 shots of like that famous stairway from, from the first exorcist movie. A little excess, you know, excessive. And there's like, Hey, you remember, remember this? Hey, you remember? I, remember I this guess. This, hey, you remember? I guess. I, remember this, that time. I guess mm-hmm. this is an attempt to be like, Hey, this is like a direct sequel to the first movie. It is because they don't touch on the second movie. The second one. Yeah. They don't touch on the second one at all. And so we, we kind of talk about this now where we're just like, Oh man, the new Terminator movie is going back and it's erasing all the other Terminator movies and the new Halloween movie. But I'm just like, you know, they did this in 1990. <laughs> with the well, they, were, they were fighting to get rid of exorcist two because it was a big swing and a miss. Yeah. It was rough. So there's a lot of, um, and I didn't even know um, until I I read the Wikipedia that George C. Scott is playing the same cop from the first Exorcist movie. Yep, sure is. I had no idea. Mm-hmm. Um, Kinderman? Yeah. Once he was saying that like he was friends with this cop and stuff, and then like he went to the movies with that other priest, and I was like, oh, that's kind of cute. And I was like, I wonder if this is supposed to be that same police officer, and it, it, it sure is. Um, so lots of shots of the stairs. Um, and then there's this really great shot. Now, is this the first movie that William Peter Blatty ever directed? Yeah. He, he wrote the exorcist and he wrote the, um, the book that this movie is based on called Legion. Yeah. And they were originally going to get all the, the band back together. William Franken was going to come back and do Exorcist 3, but he, I think he went to the script and he was like, I'm good. So the <laughs> studio just gave it to uh, to Blatty. And he was all like, um, okay. Yeah, now he does some cool stuff here. Um, but then he does some other stuff where I'm just like, oh. I think he's hmm. very, well, I think he's very Confident I, director for his first time. Uh, him sitting on the set with um, Franken and uh, the first one probably you know rubbed off uh, on him a lot. Definitely, that's I think what weird. I think what's on the screen looks great. I just think there's some other stuff that's just like we would have been better to see. Or um, well, that's know. the thing. In this movie, you're going to get a lot of dialogue, a lot, a lot of diatribes. And that's because he's a he's a writer, so he yeah. wants to put all his words on fleek, as the kids say. Yes, Did they say that still. <laughs> yeah, I think it's coming back sure. around. Okay. Um. So yeah, we're gonna spotlight that shit. We don't need this action horse shit. We don't need none of that. We want we want words. We want George C. Scott. <laughs> we want George C. Scott delivering shit. Dude, he's got some he's got some big lines in this movie. I really enjoy Man, George C. Scott. I, I think he's trying to play bipolar or something in this movie. Because it comes across as that very loud and clearly. Oh my gosh. What is the and how old is he in this film? Is he supposed to be? 93. <laughs> <laughs> he's the oldest police detective I've ever seen. Yeah, he's up there. There's a scene later where he gets out of a car and he is just like drenched in sweat and all he's done is get all he's done is get out of the car. 
This is, I know, I know it's just like, we're going to get George C. Scott. And he, and look, this is like, this is like over the hill, George C. Scott. So they probably got him for, you know, he's probably not getting the premium price he was getting back in the day. So, but he's still George C. Scott. So he's bringing like a, he's bringing like a level of, uh, of, uh, you know, seriousness to the role, um, and some clout to it. But, you know, this is kind of like, you're hiring, like, you're hiring like a big actor from like 15, 20, 30 years ago to come in and, and he's just a little too old for the part. He's just a little too old by like 15, uh, 20. Yeah, I could see that, but I think he, he's still get the role. Yeah, it's no, it's he's good in it. Um, he's got some. It takes place fifteen years after the first movie too. So you keep yeah, in mind that guy's still on the force, and he was old in the first movie. That's true. He's just got oh, excuse me. He's just got some moments of unintentional comedy, but um, I <laughs> yeah. I, I like Dorsey Scott, but no matter what movie he's in, something weird happens with him. This <laughs> is just an entertaining guy. All right. Um, I like this shot of the church where the wind blows the church doors open and they done woke up wooden Jesus. Mm-hmm. Now that's the part that time I'm like, woke up. That's the part I'm like, did we need the wooden Jesus to like open its eyes? I was just letting you know Satan's back. I guess. Oh, he's back. Is that, is that when we get uh, tubular bells again? Yes. Yeah. That well that they show the stairs and like that fog like retreating away from the stairs. It's like they use a fog machine and then they reverse the film. Man, just that piece of music just goes all over me. <laughs> it's really good. It's good. It's almost a little cheap. It's almost like, hey, remember this is the exorcist, but it doesn't matter because it's, it's just like, yeah. Well, they do the same thing, right? With like they do the same thing with like a fucking Star Wars movie. You're just like yeah, I don't know, but then they're just like, but it, but it, but it. And you're like, yeah, I'm right back. <laughs> the ending credits. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, uh, and then we get um, there's some sort of like dream sequence here as well, um, and then there's the helicopter shot, the apocalypse now reference, which I thought was strange. <laughs> Oh, Kinderman has some weird-ass dreams, y'all. Yeah, he does. Dreams of a rose and falling down a long flight of stairs. Mm-hmm. And what's with the... What's uh, the deal? <laughs> what's with this bit about a carp? Is this Kinderman? That's later, but that's yeah. Later. The, the yeah. carp... I, we Dude, we could have lost all that. I don't know why that's in the movie. <laughs> it's character development for someone I, like, you don't see. <laughs> Honestly, you could have had them go to the movie and then immediately go to the bar. We don't need to know why it's they more go to the fucking uh, spotlight on the words and the delivery because that's I, all. Um, I guess he wrote this fucking. He wrote this fucking carp story and he was like, "This is hilarious." This you're gonna to want the carp story, believe me. <laughs> I'm like, I wrote the Exorcist. Thank you. This movie is 97 minutes long, which is great. But it could have could have been ninety. We could have got it down. <laughs> no, wait. This movie's longer. The other one we watched was short. This movie's almost two hours long. So we could have yeah. we could we could have trimmed some fat here. Oh, definitely. The, you could have trimmed fifteen minutes off of this easily. Yeah, and the carp story could have gone. We could have been like, let's go see the movie and then let's go out to dinner. 
We don't need to know why he doesn't want to go home. But and and I'll tell you me. why. Go ahead. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. The um, the friendship between Kinderman and Father Dyer. Mm-hmm. I eat that shit up. I loved it. Every minute of it. I do too. I do too. It's just the carp thing is very strange. Now, <laughs> fuck that carp. Yeah, fuck that carp. Removed him bitching about this carp and being mean to hospital staff. And I think mm-hmm. this this movie would have come in just perfect time. Yeah. <laughs> um. Also, and I'm jumping ahead, but the reason he doesn't want to go home is because everyone in his house sucks. And their voices are so ADR'd and unreal. Oh, real bad. <laughs> So I don't know. I I had to watch this with headphones because my you guys know I can't hear what the fuck. Yeah. But uh my hearing is just getting worse the older I, I get. So I have to hook my headphones up to the fucking TV so I can hear any fucking thing. And boy howdy, does that stand out something fierce when you have headphones on. Oh shit. It was we're like the- I was watching a fucking uh Italian horror movie from the 70s. Were all the actors playing his family from another country and they just had to redub all their lines? It's every, crazy. Every 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 line of dialogue was from a different person. <laughs> yeah. It's like well, you know how, and again we're skipping ahead, but you know, the great scene in the jail cell where the actor changes and the voice changes from the actor playing him to the voice of Pazuzu to Brad Dourif's voice to back to the other guy's voice, and it's all like part of that scene. It's like they did that with all the characters in George that, C. Scott's family. But with a cart. <laughs> <laughs> um okay, before we get to the carp, I just want to point out uh, a Kevin Corrigan sighting. I love this guy. Um he's playing the altar boy at the oh, church. Where do I know him from? I know I know. Oh my god. Face. A million things. He was in Grounded for Life. He was in uh he was in Super Bad. He's the guy whose girlfriend danced with Jonah Hill <laughs> in Super Bad. Yeah, man, that guy pops up in the most random places. He's in a million things. He's so great. He's in Unstoppable. He's I mean, I don't I mean he, uh I mean he's just in countless, countless <laughs> stuff. He's a great I am uh IMDB'd him and just the list was so long that I just quit scrolling. I was like, I I just know that I know him from somewhere. Yeah, no, he's in a million things. I love him I, I love him in Super Bad specifically. Um and I you know I was a huge grounded for life fan when that show was on. Um all right so uh George C. Scott takes this uh priest to the movies they go see It's a Wonderful Life. Doug's favorite movie yeah. and <laughs> and um, then they go out to um, and then they go out to uh, dinner and um, George C. Scott is telling the priest about the um, this you know s- string of murders that he's investigating and about this boy who was killed very violently decapitated mm. <laughs> His head was replaced with like a Jesus head and it was painted in black. In black face. Face. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah. There's a lot of layers to this crime. It's pretty rough. Um, and then we get the confession sequence, which was legit. Very creepy. Mm-hmm. Um, with the creepy voice uh, confessing to sins and then killing the priest uh, in the confession booth. 
And bit one that some bitch's fingers off or some such shit. Yeah, it was uh it was it was pretty gnarly. Um told one of them bastard size. That's what I was thinking. Uh <laughs> hell no damn alligator bit my hand off. Oh my god. <laughs> that that oh my god reaction is one of the greatest comedic <laughs> moments in all of cinema. I fucking laugh every time. Oh my god. <laughs> oh shit. Um George C. Scott. Um by the way, the other detectives that work at this police station are kind of like bad at their jobs. Extremely um, bad at their jobs and acting. The one oh the one guy's like, hey, do we have to dust for fingerprints on this side of the door? Because the only guy who would have touched it is the priest. And George C. Scott is like, Yeah, you have to dust for fingerprints. What the fuck are you talking about? Well, not only that, he was all like he when he said, Do I have to check the other side? Because only the priest would touch that. <laughs> George C. Scott looks like he was like, I'm padding the job. And yeah. He gives him this look like you fucking idiot. Get out of my goddamn face. It's so crazy that somebody wouldn't want to, that the crime scene investigators well, wouldn't want to investigate busy the crime scene. So he gets the fuck out of his, out of his way. Yeah. Um, so then uh, George C. Scott, uh, I guess his priest friend is uh, in the hospital for some reason. Uh, so he goes to visit him and we see that nun with that crazy headgear on. And I just wrote down religious outfits are stupid. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah that flying nun yes it's just sticking out i dude look i and this is not just catholicism this is just like religion in general like religious groups are just like convince their people to wear these crazy fucking outfits and they're just like god needs you to wear this god needs you you need to be married to god and put this hat on now here comes the airplane yeah it's just hilarious um and if you're catholic i'm sorry um that you're catholic not that i mentioned the hat um (laughs) got him um yeah so there's this uh there's this great bit of dialogue here where the you know there's a lot of pithy banter back and forth um between george c scott and uh and the priest here um and they feel so natural yeah, they, they feel do. like they're friends. I really, really enjoyed their their um, relationship. And the priest is kind of a cut up because he tells the nurse, "May the Schwartz be with you." I don't know, <laughs> I don't know if anybody else caught yes, the Spaceballs reference in this Exorcist Three script, but it's there. Um, well, we skipped over like Kinderman and Father Dyer are f- friends because yes. they had a mutual friend. And um, God damn it, Father Karras, Father Karras, and um, every year on the anniversary of Father Karras's death, they meet up, they go out because they're both fucking so bummed out about it, and mm-hmm. they cheer each other up, and they they have a just they're best friends now through all this, yes. through this tragedy. So, anywho, go on with the Satan feel. So you know, uh. Father Dyer's all like, eh, they just have me in here for no reason, and and George C. Scott's not buying it, you know. This other, there's, you know, they have kind of some 
pithy dialogue here, as I said, and then he leaves. Now, let me tell you something. Crack Detective Kinderman here misses the giant headless Jesus statue right next to him. <laughs> well, he, he has to walk <laughs> in front of it and look at it. Before yeah, he, he has to walk the toward it. Well, I guess you could say that Satan was uh, blinding him to the... If you wanted to give the script an out. Um, all right, so... Why is he uh, so mean to that nurse, though? That really did not sit well with me. Yeah, he was kind of... He has no time for fucking fools. She got the wrong room. Yeah. Trying to like, give him the wrong medicine. And he's just all like, fuck off! And it's just, and I feel like George C. Scott was like, "Look, every five pages, I gotta yell one of my lines." I'm sorry, <laughs> I, that probably That's... wasn't even in the movie. They were just rolling before a take, and she just came in, and he was just yelling at her. <laughs> I mean, he has got to deliver one line super huge every five pages. Like that's that's mm-hmm. in his contract. Um, let's see. Uh. So the next scene is where they're inspecting the confessional booth and yeah, the, and the fingerprint discussion bungled the whole thing. But the next, I know we already talked about that. That dream sequence. Why is Fabio there? Oh yeah, this is the oh, dream man. sequence. If if you hear anyone talk about Exorcist Three, they talk about this sequence because it is crazy. It's bizarre. Before that. Before we get to the dream sequence, there's a bit of ADR dialogue that I have to get to where uh, George C. Scott is like asking about where his daughter is at. And then his wife's all like dubbed in like seven different voices. She's just like, she's just at her dance class and it's 10 p.m. at night. And she's acting like he's crazy. No, that's pretty fucking late for a no, dance he even class. Says that. She was like, she's like, it's not late. It's only 10 o'clock. And he goes, that's late. That's late. And they go to the, they go on to the, the dream sequence. And then he's like, well, I guess I got to go to bed and dream about Fabio as an angel. <laughs> um, it's a choice. <laughs> um, Fabio's there. Um, the uh in, in the dream sequence there's a lot if you pay attention to everything it it tells you what all is going to happen how it resolves everything but you gotta really look and interpret things but uh it's him basically vi- uh kinderman is visiting heaven yes and um he runs into the um little kid that was murdered because he mm-hmm. knew him he was a um in like a police big brothers program or something yes and it, i understand it was a dream and it was weird but it was just weird how he just walked into him he was like hey kinderman how you doing he was like oh i'm good i'm sorry you were murdered he was like yeah me too and just walks off yeah <laughs> all right peace out big, gulp, big huh? gulps huh yeah <laughs> get out of my head um and he sees father dyer there um in the dream well he's walking and there's all kinds of like i said there's all kinds of shit going on you see someone talking on the phone saying this is heaven and earth come in blah 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 which that plays in later you can really interpret every little single thing that is going on to and then attach it to something in this flick it's really well thought out also very odd (laughs) but that's on purpose it's super odd but the fact that you like i mean dude 
Fabio at the time is gigantic. And even to the point now, like when I watched it today, I'm like, that's clearly Fabio. I mean, holy shit, Fabio's in. like, it's just, it, I, it's just so, what is, it's such a strange choice to make to put like this extremely recognizable man in this scene. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Well, the, the, he finds um, Father Dyer. And he's playing cards with the angel of death, who is played by Patrick Ewing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? Why? I, I Maybe Blatty's a Knicks fan. I don't know why they chose Patrick Ewing. He has I not, he had, does not speak, but he's sitting there playing cards like poker or something, but it's with tarot cards. So they're laying shit down and every time they cut back to father Dyer, there's something else wrong with him. And then at the end, he's got these um, stitches on his neck. And then that's when he uh, wakes up and finds out that father Dyer has been the next victim. Is Samuel L. Jackson in this scene? Cause he's, he? cre- he's credited in this movie as blind dream man. Was he the guy that just like, he's just sitting there. Yeah, he's the guy. What he said something, but yeah, he's just sitting on a bed, and then they just pan by him. He says one line, and that's it. it the, this scene is crazy. <laughs> there's so much go going on to watch this scene. Yeah, I want to there's rewatch. A, there's just a bunch of people scene. in this thing. I think um, isn't Larry King in it too? Yeah, Larry King's in this scene as well. I missed so much of this. There's a yeah. lot going on. Yeah, in that's this scene. It's wild. All right. Um, yeah. So there's a there's like a conversation with uh, Father Dyer, and then uh, Rainbird wakes up because he gets a phone call, and he's like, "What are you telling me?" And then he goes to the hospital. Father Dyer's dead. He's been completely drained of his blood. Mm-hmm. Every bit. And it's all been placed into these little cups. Not a drop was spilled. Very meticulous. Um, Except for... um, And by the way, this movie goes through great lengths not to show any gore until it decides to show like a lot of gore. It's very interesting. Um, It's more impactful when they finally show it. Yeah. No, I agree. It's just I was uh, caught off guard by it because like they don't show you anything for so long. A lot of odd choices made here but first time director yeah I don't, I don't think any of them are bad I just think it's just like wow <laughs> like it's so shocking when that's it finally happened that's one of the happened. reasons why I like this movie so much yeah I, I'm with you Um the only blood is uh what's written on the wall in blood and it's the word it's a, the phrase it's a wonderful life with two L's mm-hmm. that's important it is important um, George C. Scott interviewing this nurse, uh, Nurse Salty. Like, I don't know why she has such an attitude. Woo, she ain't fun to be around at all. Oh my gosh, she isn't. Maybe she's mad because he yelled at that other nurse. I don't know, but she's just oh, like, probably. She's not really. Sorry. Go ahead. Not really r- right here, but later on, she starts remind like, she kind of favors her and definitely the way that she acts. Reminds me a lot of Millie from The Invisible Man. The woman that just yep. screams the whole time. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> she reminded me so much of her. It was very this, weird. This, this performance was so strange because it's like this guy was just murdered and drained of all blood and she is put out that she's having to talk to the police about it. She's a seasoned veteran on the that nursing team, man. She's seen it all, probably done it all. She ain't got time for anyone's bullshit. She wanted to clock in and clock out. Yeah, it's just crazy how it's just like, hey, this guy died here. And and, and she's like, yeah, people die here all the time. And it's like, well, I don't know that they're drained of blood into little cups like this all the time. She's just like, whatever. You got more questions for It's just wild. Um. George C. Scott takes a trip to the disturbed ward um, where he sees some of the, uh, you know, mental patients in the hospital. Yeah. The, um, he was talking to the head of, of that department Mm -hmm. and um, it was played by, um, I'm completely blanking on his fucking name. Scott Wilson. Scott Wilson. Yeah. And he was going on. He was like, yeah, people in here, they're schizophrenic. And he was like listing all the, the problems that one would have. And then he named off autism. And I was like, this wasn't that long ago. They threw autistic people in the psych ward like this? Yeah, mm-hmm. I picked up on that too. Um, yeah, I mean. Yeah, that was like, yeah, weird to hear. <laughs> well, I mean, the whole plot of Rain Man is fucking Tom Cruise picking uh picking Dustin Hoffman up from this like home that he lived in because yeah. he was autistic. I know we just advanced in autism research. It's just weird to hear that. Yeah, I know it's wild. <laughs> yeah, there's Anywho. a whole pl- there's a whole plot of a whole there's plot a whole of that movie, movie was like <laughs> my idiot brother's actually super smart and good at gambling. <laughs> Autism can be useful. Rain Man now playing. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> oh my god, it's just crazy. Like, not that much time has passed, and yet so much. It's just you wouldn't, you just couldn't make that movie now. <laughs> oh, crazy. Um, yeah. So he's yeah he's at the air quotes what they called the disturbed ward um and then we get the like we get the the sequence of uh george c scott like breaking down the gemini killer like with like the head of the hospital i guess um did he already talk to the old lady in the psych ward yet this is this is when he i think this is when he talked to her Okay. Before before he talks to the guy running the hospital. Okay. Um, but I don't remember I don't remember that conversation with the old lady at all. So what is his relation to the old lady? Because okay, his his name is Kinderman. Um, she's credited as Mary Kinderman. Weird. Yeah. I don't know if that's supposed to be like his mother or I don't know. The old lady is? Is that the old lady that was all like, are you here to fix the radio? Uh-huh. Hmm, I thought it was, the other old lady came up to him and was like, are you my son? 
Or maybe I just misread or mistook something on IMDb and it was actually his wife that I saw credited. I don't know. I'm real dumb, so. so. Hang on, let me look. Zora Lampert was Mary Kinderman. Well, there's nobody else listed as Kinderman, so that's got to be Mary Kinderman's wife. wife. Yeah. All right. Well, sorry to have sidetracked us for no reason. Oh, oh good. <laughs> well, let's pretend he was married to that old lady. Um, <laughs> create more of a sense of urgency and maybe why he's screaming at so many people in the hospital. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what did they talk about? She thinks she's As like, she's all like, are you here to fix my radio? And he's like, I sure am. She's like, well, get to getting because it's right here. And she's holding nothing. He was like, oh, okay. I see what the problem is. And she's all like, you son of a bitch. The radio's over there. I'm holding the phone. But that just went back to the dream. Yeah. Where the lady is on the radio trying to get anyone from Earth to talk to her. I think that was channeling that lady. Anywho. Yeah. Just reading into things. But uh that old lady plays a significant role coming up here soon. Yeah, she sure does. Um so George C. Scott in the hospital director's office, I guess. Um, he starts telling the story of the Gemini killer, and he's talking about how um the Gemini killer was the serial killer that they put to death in the electric chair. Um, but somebody is copying his killings using things that they never published in the newspapers mm-hmm. ever. So how could he know? Um, this is intercut with those like silhouette shots of Brad Dourif in his cell, like talking to himself. Um, but you haven't seen his face yet. Yeah. Um, Let's see. Um, uh, George C. Scott goes to visit that other priest. Um, and that's that's the guy who mentioned the exorcism from the first film. Yeah, th- this, this guy is like an overseer. He's like the district manager of priests. <laughs> <laughs> or some such shit. The district manager. Yeah, and what what was this whole... He talks about another priest, too. He's the one that tells him the story about that other priest, too. Like, his hair fucking turned white or whatever because he performed an exorcism. They're just throwing in exorcism stuff. Yeah. Because There's a... the, the studio... When the film was done, there this is what we get is not the first cut of this film. There's a lot of studio interference. They're like, you got a movie called the A, it was just called Legion. A, we're changing it to the Exorcist Three. And Blatty's all like, I don't have any exorcisms in this. And they're like, Well, this is where you're gonna go back and add a couple, and we're gonna add a bunch of scenes of them talking about it and referring to a lot of shit that happened in the first movie. And we're going to get some people that were in the first movie to come in back a, in significant roles. Yeah. But I've already, I'm done with the movie. It's shot. Well, get your ass back in there and do it. 
And this was one of them. Um, there's a line here. It really makes me laugh. Um, do you believe in possession? The answer is who cares? (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was so good. (laughs) Who cares? Um, This whole scene is setting up the, uh, the spookiness nature of exorcism. And the Satans that dwell within said schism. So <laughs> when he's going on, this district manager fucking falls asleep or something. So George, George C. Scott just starts walking around the grounds there. And yeah, I was all kind of spookiness going on. Lights are flickering. He hears, he's hearing voices and shit. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, the next scene is we see that other priest with the white hair mm-hmm. and it's a real like uh Billy and four C scene where he's got the pretty bird. <laughs> <laughs> pretty God, pretty God. <laughs> um, and so there's some, there's some ominous evil stuff happening around this priest as well. Um, his, crucifix falls off the wall and his bird dies and uh, that's how you know that Satan is is a, is a foot. Um, well, it's probably because he had a bird in a shoebox. They, yeah. they can't live in a shoebox. Yeah, that's not where birds live. Hell no. Um, oh, George God, C- I told you that. George C. Scott goes to talk to this other doctor who's Merle from The Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. Um and he did this portrait of himself on the wall is incredible. Um, I love his office. It's all kinds of crazy. He's got all these fancy degrees on the wall. And also there's a bunch of like pagan symbols surrounding this yes. giant naked lady. Yes. And a glamour shot of himself. Mm-hmm. With like his arms crossed. Oh, I'm just, I'm obsessed with the photo of himself. It's so good. Um, And I don't even, I'm honestly, his office was so crazy. I don't even remember what they talked about. He's, he's going over. Um, oh, he's talking about the, the guy that they have in, in prison or in yeah. the hospital. And how they gave him electroshock therapy. And he claims that he's the Gemini killer. Um, he came in here with amnesia and all this good shit. They found him at the bottom of the stairs 15 yes. years ago. And so oh, Kinderman's and, all like, wait a minute. It can't be. So then he goes back to the hospital and he's wants the patient file. And he's like talking to nurse salty again. And he's like, was he dressed as a priest when they brought him in here? And she was like, it would be in the file. And he's like, it's not in the file. <laughs> 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 so mad um and so um so finally he wants to go he wants to go meet um this person that they have locked up in this cell and uh you know when we see him he looks like father Karras from uh the first exorcist film mm-hmm but when he speaks, he's speaking with the voice of uh, Pazuzu from the first Exorcist film. 
Mm-hmm. And I don't care how many times I see that, like an, an altered voice just yeah. is so unnerving. This whole scene is great. The effect of switching between Jason Miller's voice to the Pazuzu voice and then switching the, the actor to Brad Dourif and then his voice is changing as well. Um, it's just... It it's made the willies. It oh. is really well done. And like these scenes are tough because visually they are not interesting. Like they are in a room and there's like a window with a light and it is like 10 pages of dialogue. Like there's a lot of, and it's mostly monologue. Like it's mostly Brad Dourif talking. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, that effect with the, with the changing back and forth. And then once they settle on Brad Dourif and like that monologue he delivers is incredible. And it's, it's one of the, it's, one of if not the best scene in the movie and that's really hard because it's not a visually interesting scene but he pulls it off so well that it it's i don't know it's incredible mm-hmm. um oh yeah. when he ends it with that like i guess it's some maybe like an aria or something that he's singing in like a young girl's oh, voice yes. yeah that's yeah. weird too that 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 whole that whole ten minutes is just fucking unbelievable. It's so good. It's it's the best part of the movie, in my opinion. I might have to agree. <clears throat> um, in all this, in all this, like Brad Dourif's like, I'm the Gemini killer, and George C. Scott's like, no, you're not. And he's like, the Gemini killer is dead. And, uh, you know, he talks about how when he died, he was like in the void or the abyss or whatever. And like the master, like, so here's where it gets convoluted just in storytelling. Like, Mm -hmm. so we have a serial killer, the Gemini killer, and he's caught and he's put to death. Now, when he dies, his soul is like, in the abyss or whatever and this demon finds his soul and then like puts it in the body of father Karis, who was possessed at the end of the exorcist and so now there's two there's like multiple souls inhabiting father Karis's body that's still alive somehow um and i guess they're using Father Karras's body to commit, you know, murders or whatever. Yep. And he says, you know, he's in here with us and we're tormenting him. And that may be later, but, um, you know, they, he tells him that Father Karras is still conscious. He's still in there and, they, and he has to watch them like he's being tortured while they're using his body to commit like satanic rites and stuff like that. Um, and he's, he says some line about save your servant. And then George C. Scott finds that in the right for exorcism. Like it's in the, it's in the little exorcism rites that they read when they're performing that act. Mm-hmm. Also George C. Scott's fingernails upsetting. Um, too long. <laughs> oh, are they? Yeah. When he's reading in the book, his fingernails are long. Um, and those, those just, those just tend to get real nasty. 
and I don't know, like, you know, I don't want to be, you know, I don't know. There's something like, I, I know a lot of old men that had long fingernails and they were just like super yellow for some reason. Like, I just, I got the old man nail. So that shit is gross. Yeah. I keep my nails uh, short. Um, and it just reminds me of doubt. Did you ever see doubt with Philip Seymour Hoffman? No. Okay, so one of the reasons that Meryl Streep suspected Philip Seymour Hoffman of being terrible was that his fingernails were too long. <laughs> and I don't know if that just sticks with me, but when I see your fingernails are too long, you're suspect to me. <laughs> I'm just like, why aren't you clipping those? Um. All right. Uh. Ooh. Okay. So now we get the spooky hallway scene, which is iconic. Um, and this is the series of setups for um, this nurse who, by the way, she hears this really loud noise that scares her. And it turns out it's just ice cracking in a glass of water. I don't know if I am a total scaredy cat. Mm-hmm. That, would, that would scare the shit out of me if I'm on high that's alert in a silent I, room. That's some loud ass ice. No, I... I totally bought that. If you're in alone, if you're alone in this your quiet ass hall, your hyper. senses are heightened, and um, you know you're scared to begin with. Everything you're just pin on pins and needles. So the slightest thing would just be, you know, overdone in your in your mind. I love how masterfully this is done because she hears oh, this man. loud. This it leads to one of my favorite jump scares of all time. It's so good. Like I've watched it. I've watched just this scene a lot. Um, just breaking down everything that's going on in there. So like she leaves her post, she goes into the room, she finds the guy. There's a jump scare in there where like the guy like wakes up and he's like, What are you doing in my room? Don't touch my cracking ice. Um <laughs> the ice is gonna break. Um, Cross your ass if you wake me up again. And so then she leaves. So there's there's cops there, like security guards or whatever. Um, one of them gets up, leaves the room, and you're just they like, leave oh, and man. come back a couple times. That's what yes, makes the tension even the higher. That's the misdirect because he leaves, and you're like, uh oh, something crazy is about to happen. But then he comes back. He comes and in then with he, another cop. Yeah, and you're like, okay, so maybe not. It's just like, it's like you got to watch it a few times and. <laughs> And see all the little pieces that are going on there. It's so well done. Um, And like the scare is so good because she opens that door. She checks in there. There's nothing. And she shuts the door. But then somehow the door is open again. And that fucking figure comes out of it with those fucking. That clipper thing. Yeah. I mean, it's so good. The this scene is incredible. It, got it, it leads all to that, and it's what seconds. Yeah, but there's so much happens to get there. Yeah. It's, it's it's really great. it's uh, it's masterful filmmaking right there, mm-hmm. and it's from a first time director. It's really well done. I, I like that scene a lot. And again, this movie's got like cult status, and this is one of the scenes that people talk about. But it's great. Mm-hmm. Um, and then of course we cut to the next day, they find the nurse's body, um, all her, um, all her vital organs were removed 
and her body was stuffed with air quotes, other materials, um, Mm -hmm. Catholic rosaries, it turns out. And then she sewed back up. And then, uh, we find the other doctor with the crazy office has, uh, killed himself by injecting himself with something um oh and this is where we get the explanation from brad duriff about how the his soul was put in that body with the other demons and and then he even says the word child's play by the way and then after that cut to a red-headed little kid in a wheelchair. <laughs> yes yeah, he just like he's talking about how easy it was to kill her or whatever, and then he just says child's play. Brad Dourif says this line, and then cut to a little redheaded kid. Wait, we're skipping over Brad Dourif like it's nothing, but you're here, you're you're in this movie to see him give Dude. these performances. Yeah, these are um, long. This is some scenes. of the best acting he's he's ever done. It's. It's crazy. Good. It's chilling, cause he's you. He plays crazy, and God damn it, if he doesn't sell the hell out of crazy, he goes. It's... He's his ranges are up and down, and he's fucking frightening. And then he's hilarious. Then he then you you feel super sad for him. Then he's back to fucking frightening. Then he's like angry, and the whole and... time George C. Scott is sitting there doing nothing, which nothing which is perfect he's playing that cop yeah that you know uh i'm gonna get to the bottom of this by any means necessary i'm fucking stone cold you can't budge me and he's playing it and it's just the back and forth between brad durf doing all the work george c scott doing nothing i think him doing nothing was the perfect choice because how the fuck are you gonna why would you want to step on anything that Dorif is doing in here? Dude, he's we've crying. Seen... He's laughing. There's not running out of his fucking nose. There's all kinds of shit going on. We've seen this done a thousand times in a thousand movies. And like it every can procedural go... cop show, you see the, the the questioning scenes. It can go so wrong with this performance. Never once does Brad Dewar feel cheesy or forced no. or unrealistic. Like I was captivated by how good it was. Mm -hmm. Like it is excellent. This is Oscar worthy shit right here. Dude. I mean, that's not, that's not an exaggeration. It's incredible. It's an incredible scene. Mm -hmm. Like his, and he's, by the way, he's not in the movie, but really these two scenes. Yeah. He has a, what Duras is in it for 10 minutes, maybe. Yeah. He gets, he gets two big monologues and like a little bit of back and forth. And some of the times his voice is dubbed with another voice. Like it's crazy, but he's just, I mean, it's, 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 it's masterful. Killing watching yeah, him. It's incredible. It's the best part of the whole and movie. He's, he's acting his balls off in a fucking, the third movie in a fucking franchise where the second movie was hot garbage. Yes. Yeah. It's so good. Um. Yeah, we see the the child's play line. Who? What's the kid we see? I forget what the significance is here. He's brought into the same wing of the hospital that everyone else has been killed in. Uh, he's pretty much uh, just Satan bait. Yes, <laughs> Satan baiting. Um. <laughs> 
Oh, this is the scene where like George C. Scott's like walking around the hospital, like investigating. And then we see that crawling on the roof business, which was. Yeah. He goes back to the, the uh, disturbed ward and he's uh, just trying to get some answers. Yeah. And there's an old lady crawling on the ceiling. You know yeah. how they do. Yeah. Freaky. Um, and then he finds a he finds a dead nurse, and all her clothes are missing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a fucking he's getting more static from nurse angry. Um, it's just a lot. <laughs> She's a lot. <laughs> She's really unpleasant. It's very. Um, and then he realizes that um. Like Brad Dorf has said something in dialogue about his family or something, and then um, uh, he calls his wife, and then um, you know, then he rushes. Then then there's like the car chase to the house, which is like well, he doesn't call. That's that's right. Uh, that's what whoever is currently possessed is using his voice to call his family. That's right. Like, hey, there's someone coming over the house, and they got something for you. But then he actually calls the house and was yeah. like, look, I'm coming home. I got to figure some shit out. And his wife's all like, his wife in one of her 90 voices yeah. is all like, well, the nurse is on her way with the package, like you said. And he's like, what? What? The hell are you talking about? Yeah. I'm George E. Scott. And then... So he jumps in the cuff car with some dude <laughs> and they fucking haul ass. And this scene is like, I don't I don't know. Like the stuff that works in this movie is like the Brad Dirt stuff and then like this heightened like tense car chase is just like This could have been cut big time. This was silly. Just, they couldn't <laughs> like the traffic is heavy so they're having a hard time getting around. They could have yeah. done that. Then you cut to inside the vehicle where George C. Scott's going, "You son of a bitch, back up." Back like, up. We didn't need all this. I know. I understand it's trying to like build tension to get there before something, but it just it was silly. Like I don't know. This was the stuff I didn't like, and I'm like, you know. Um. Okay, so they get there, um, and he's like, "Go around back. I'll go in the front." And he's got his gun out, um, and he just looks very natural. Um, <laughs> and then his family just all different eighty-yard voices is so off-putting. It's just crazy. Like the mix is so bad. Like it's they don't weird. It's like sound the like they're... or something. It's very, it's weird. I know. But then once he comes in and they're just like, "Hey, everything's normal." Um, by the way, this nurse is here. What's her deal? And um, and then the other cop comes in through the back door, like way after the fact, and it, I laughed out loud. Like <laughs> the way he comes a little in late the... to the party, there, buddy. Yeah. It was just hilarious. And then the nurse, um, she seems to like not know where she is now. And this makes everybody like chill out. And even George C. Scott's like, oh, okay, don't worry. She's just crazy. Um, but then she's starts... all a ruse. Satan's yeah. there the whole time. <laughs> then she starts speaking in um, Brad Durf's voice. Um and he's like, I wanted you to be here for this. He pulls out the crazy surgical hedge clippers 
Um, now I like that the grandmother had to pull the daughter's neck out of the way because she was so busy reading her magazine. She didn't notice these. Well, giant... the grandmother did it. It would have, she would have sold it better <laughs> if she showed any concern at all, because she just pulled her head like, <laughs> yep, here we go again. She's like, whoop, there's hedge clippers better move you. I got to pull her head out of hedge clippers about 10 times a week. She's just. <laughs> Too busy reading her teen beat or whatever she was into. Um, yeah, this scene is a little awkward. Like, in like this is where this is where you get like the first time director where you're just like, oh man, this this is all so like herky jerky and weird. Yeah, he he can't do action. That's why there's he, not a lot in here. Yeah, the action sequences are, are bizarre. Um, and then we get, um, so while they're like, uh, so this happens and then, um, uh, the other priest, now this other priest who we've just kind of mentioned, I don't know, he shows up at the, and you said that this was like added after the fact, so that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Cause he just shows up at the prison and he's ready to perform an exorcism, but it was just like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Guess we're getting rid of this demon. Um, and so, uh, well, but the, the scene was all like, look, you have to have an exorcism in there. And he was all like, no, I don't. And they're like, well, it's called exorcist three. And he's like, no, it's not. It's called Legion. Um, we made some changes. Um, but the scene is cool. Like the exorcism scene is yeah, great. Cool. Like the priest gets like thrown up into the roof and then his skin is like stuck there. And this is where you get like this gory, like very hellraiser ish. It is. I was thinking the same thing. And maybe just because we just talked about Hellraiser, but it reminded me of it a lot. Um, George C. Scott ends up back here somehow. I guess he leaves. and go- That's that's one of the only other things I don't like about the movie is the characters are only in three places and they just go back and forth a lot. Um, and so it's just like, well, this ends like, I don't know, like I would have maybe put this scene somewhere else. But um, it, so we go back to the to the cell um george c scott is there uh the priest not having i think that works for the 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 cell setting it works just to show that at any time any place any day the demon can take control of anyone and be anywhere it wants to be so but it chooses to stay inside this cell that's true um so um there's the uh He's about to kill. Um, he's about to kill George C. Scott, and then the, you know, the priest is like, I, I can't, I can't. This whole gets kind of jumbled up, but it was um, funny seeing George C. Scott being thrown around. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's not on the bench. <laughs> it's not on the file. <laughs> um, Dude, there's just a lot of crazy imagery in this last scene. Like, lightning strikes through the floor, and then the floor opens up and a gate to hell. Yeah, there's like a Satan choir that comes up, and they're all like, ah. And the kid with the... Murdered kid? Yeah, the murdered kid with the black-faced Jesus statue head comes out. Um, Yeah. And then... uh, Crucified to those boat oars. Yeah. And then finally uh the priest is able to break through to to father Karis, and he's like no and he takes control of his body very quickly 
enough to stop all the craziness. And George C. Scott is able to shoot him and, and kill him. Um, Credits. Well, not quite. There's like a not ten. Quite. There's a ten second shot where they're at his grave, and I'm like, oh, well, okay. And then credits, and I'm like, oh, I feel like we could have just, <laughs> yeah, we, we had to be like, but nothing happens there. They cut to them. They're looking at the grave, and then it's over. And I'm like, well, we could have just, all right, <laughs> it's there. What am I gonna do now? Thirty years after the fact. Um, we have exercised the demon. <laughs> This house is clean. <laughs> um, yeah, man, that's the Exorcist three. It's a wild ride. It is wild. I, I but you know what? It's anchored by some really strong performances, and mm-hmm. and it's it's a little wacky and it is convoluted, but it's a pretty good movie. I mean. In a, in a franchise that never had another good movie, this is this yeah, aren't, is aren't there six Exorcist movies? Um, I know there's these. I know they made like a Beginning. prequel. Yeah, they made a and prequel. There's another one. There's a bunch of them that they tie into this franchise. Yeah. Um. Yeah, they just keep trying it. There's a TV show. It's yeah. a sequel to the original film. Um, I think they're they're making another movie. I think we talked about on this show, um, like a remake or a reboot or something. So, you know, I, I, none of them have been any good, but this one is pretty good. Um, Even if you don't like the movie, you, you got to watch the Brad Dourif stuff because it's 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 pretty good. There's some really creepy stuff, dude. That hallway scene is great. The hallway scene. That great. um that confessional booth scene was really good. Um, there's lots of just really good creepy stuff and like really well written dialogue and like lots of really good chunks of like acting. Like it, it's a it's a pretty fucking good movie. Like it, it like to to follow up The Exorcist and to be as good as it is. And to come after a second Exorcist movie that's total dog shit, and like this one mm-hmm. comes through and it's like, like takes itself as seriously as it does, um, it's it's pretty rocking, man. I, I'm pretty impressed by it. Kendall, what do you think? You haven't said much. Um, I really liked this movie. Um, I don't really have much to say about it. I mean, I'm on board with you guys that like you're there for Brad Dourif. Is this the first time you've seen this? Yes. No, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Well, good. Yeah, I did too. I'm glad we. I'm glad we started with this. I haven't watched this in quite a while. Um, this I've, was on Shutter for the longest time because Joe Bob did a um, a show with it, mm-hmm. and then it was gone. And I was like, "Well, shit." Well, and I don't own part three, so I had to I had to find it. Luckily, Peacock came through. That's where I watched it. When you told me it was on I Peacock, like, I, I like was like, Peacock's nice. movie thing, their free movie services, because it has ads, but they're all up front, like trailers. Yeah. And then they're like, and, uh, thanks for sending through the ads. Now here's your movie, ad free. Well, yeah. Thank you, you, Peacock. 
Yeah, you have to watch like three minutes of mo- of, of movie. You have to watch like three minutes of ads, and then you get to watch the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty thank cool. you, Peacock. That's where I watched it too. Hey, let's thank the cock. That was <laughs> what? That's what they call it, right? Yeah. No. Well, I'll check out some other movies. I'll be cocking some other movies for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's Saturday night. What are you up to? I'm cocking. What are you guys doing? <laughs> I don't know why they haven't tapped into this this ad market yet. <laughs> this is a great why. campaign. <laughs> Let your other friends go out. Stay home with the cock. Really want that cock, don't you? <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, that's our first sequel. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, we got a lot more coming. Doug, why don't you tell the fine folks what we're going to watch next week? Well, next week, we will be watching Caleb's Choice, which is Nightmare on Elm Street, Part 3, The Dream Dream Warriors. Yeah, man. Uh, Dream Warriors now, you know, and we can talk about it next week. Now, you know. That's all I got to say. The... the, the, (laughs) The Nightmare franchise, not as terrible as, say, the Exorcist franchise. In fact, you know, it doesn't it doesn't really drop disagree. off. Man, those movies are garbage, except one and three and seven. Those other ones are not good to me. That's my opinion. I think two's got some interesting stuff Two, going Two's on. watchable. Two's got some... Now, it's got some... It's problematic. Um, But I would say one, two, three, and then steep drop off of four five six and then seven comes back and i always saw three is the true sequel to one yeah it is yeah and we'll talk we'll talk about it next week um but yeah dream warriors fucking awesome movie i can't wait to talk about it now you have to watch the docking video that goes yeah. along with the video yeah with the movie beforehand for the full experience yes just FYI. Yes. Well, Actually, you don't have to. It's just more fun if you do. Yeah. Because on the VHS, that that uh, that music video opened up the entire thing. And then went right into the movie. I always... We've talked about this before, but I always think about when I watch... Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, like on Blu-ray or like streaming or something, it never feels complete because it doesn't have that Pizza Hut commercial. Yeah, the baseball commercial. I play right field. It's important, mm. you know. Yep. Um. Yeah, I, that's, that was part of the movie to me, and like, yeah. So it's just, it's just weird. Um. I'll tell you what else I don't like, and I think it happened with. Uh, I think it happened last week when we talked about the Lost Boys. <laughs> and another thing, I don't like when movies get re-released and then the studio's like, "Ooh, we're gonna go in, take out the old school logo for the studio, and put in whatever dumb bullshit CG logo we've made." So Wait, who does that? It happened. They everyone does it, but it happened with Lost Boys last week. Lost Boys opened with um, 
the like a 2005 Warner Brothers logo in a movie that came out in 1987. Did it? Yes. Mm-hmm. I, the one I watched on HBO Max did. Um, I'll be damned. I didn't even pay attention to that. Yeah, it drives me crazy. They do it all the time. They'll do it. Universal was really bad about doing it. Like, they would go in and, like, you know, because Universal changed their beautiful logo to that fucking stupid CG Earth with, like, the Universal come coming around. And they they put that at the front of everything. They, they swapped it out in, like, really old movies, and I hated it. I'll be damned. I didn't even notice. Yeah, they've. I think they go back and and take that out sometimes, but and put the original back where it should be. But uh, I just don't know why they're like, yeah, we're gonna want that fresh logo up here. <laughs> Ooh, anytime like 20th Century Fox definitely did it. They they took out like the classic 20th Century Fox thing and put in like their dumb CG one. Ugh, it just ruins it. <laughs> But I'm a, hey, you know, I'm a studio logo nerd, so I don't like when they change those. I'm also the kind of guy that watches a movie like a hundred times, especially when I was a kid. So if you change any aspect of it, <laughs> like of a movie I've seen 200 times, I'm going to be like, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> that's not what it looked like. Yeah, that's why I don't like the, the special edition Star Wars. Yeah, I understand. All right, next week, Dream Warriors, Nightmare on Elm Street 3. We've covered the first one back in our 100th episode, Spectacular. Let me tell you, archives. We touched on the whole, we touched on the whole Nightmare franchise in the very first episode of this show. Sure did. Don't go back and listen to that one. When we weren't talking about Dark Star. Um, so, but we're, we're going to get into it in detail next week. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited. Um, I don't have any horror horn shoe for this. Do you see where they're rebooting Hellraiser for Hulu? Oh, you know what? I did see that. And I'm, you know, I'm skeptical. <laughs> it's a reboot. It'll be good or forgettable. Well, I know hell- Pinhead is being played by a woman. That's fine. Hellraiser is one of those. I believe Pinhead was female in the book, if I'm not mistaken. Short story, rather. I'm not 100% on that. Hellraiser is one of those franchises, franchises that we talked about where it's like, oh, man, there was a good movie and then a second movie and then a string of just poo-poo. Yeah, don't go past that second movie. Poo-poo, yeah. Duty. It's bad. And so I'm just like, uh, and anything that's made directly for a streaming service, I'm really suspect of. Like, I know last week I was talking about how excited I was about Fear Street, but I may not even watch it. (laughs) Like, I don't know, like, Hulu original, Netflix original, Amazon original, I'm just like, eh. I don't know. They they make a lot of subpar stuff. And I just, I don't know. I, I don't know. They could turn it around. Like all of Shudder's original stuff is pretty solid so far. That's true. I don't know. You know, I just, 
I got this weird thing, but it's, it's nothing new. I mean, they did this with TV. Whenever TV first, like, like cable happened, they were making like TV movies left and right. Most of them were not good. Um, and the evolution of that is just streaming, and they're making streaming. You watch all movies. those Hallmark Christmas movies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, me and my mom. Um, <laughs> Country Car Fuck Christmas. <laughs> Who can forget that classic? <laughs> Oh man! All right. Um, yeah. So, uh, Hellraiser reboot happening on Hulu. We'll see. Check it out or not. Mm-hmm. Whatever. You guys got any rants recommends for the week? You know I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I, do I haven't not. watched TV in three years. <laughs> Kindle nothing for you. I got nothing. Right on. Well, uh, I'll just say uh, my birthday was recent, and uh, Doug gave me a beautiful copy of uh, The Exorcist, the novel. Um, Mm -hmm. It's from... uh, 71. Yeah, and it is uh, hyper-vintage, beautiful. I love an old book. Um, So uh, it looks... I love an old book. Uh, just like my hero George C. Scott used to say, I love an old book. Um, no, it's uh, it's beautiful. So, uh, thank you, Doug. Yeah, man, I appreciate that. So, I recommend this book that I have that you can't have. <laughs> it was a gift from a friend. <laughs> you guys figure out a picture for that. Um, <laughs> I'll send you a picture of me holding it. (laughs) Here you go. Um, All right, man. Well, that's if if that's it. Uh, Kendall, you got any out of context show notes? I don't. I don't for this week. Sorry, dudes. Mm, Gotcha. All right. Well, um, if uh, if you want to reach out to us, Doug, where can they do that? Well, it's carpenterrandspot at gmail.com. We're also on social media, Facebook, Instagram. Just search Carbon Rats Podcast. Like us, follow us, all that horse shit. Um, leave really good, good, I uh, can't talk, really good reviews on them, their sites. You leave them on. Leave really good. Yeah. It is, what, four in the morning? Yeah. Um, Spotify, iTunes, all that shit. You know. Yep. You're listening to it now. You know where you're listening to it. Tell a friend. Tell your mama. Do they Do like it. Exorcist 3? What's their favorite George C. Scott movie? You've got a friend that loves Dream Warriors. That's a guarantee. Tell them we're talking about it that, next that week. That is a guarantee. There's someone that loves In that your movie. life. There's a horror fan that... I don't know too many people that don't... If They're horror fans. They don't like Part 3. It's held in high regard. Yeah, it is. But yeah, I'm excited to watch it. I've never seen it. Oh man, it's good. But yeah, we out here. We are all right. Listening. Well, uh, all month long, we're talking about the greatest horror sequels, the rankles, if you will. Um, and we'll be doing that next week with Nightmare on Elm Street 3. Uh, we want to thank everybody for listening to TCR. We've been the Nobodies. I'm Caleb. I'm Doug. I'm Kendall. 
keep on ranting. Keep on ranting. Keep on ranting. Son of a bitch. <laughs> keep on ranting. Thank you for listening to The Carpenter Rants. Subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or Podbean. And Spotify. Take the R's right.